Prepare to journey back through time, 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 time in this episode of Rock and Roll Flashback Podcasts. Welcome to Rock and Roll Flashback. I'm Jumpin' John, and we'll be looking back at some of rock and roll's greatest artists, songs, and stories. Today's podcast will cover the final years, starting in 1969, of the career of one of the great American rock bands, The Doors. Among other things, I will review the little-known role of the Lovin' Spoonful's John Sebastian in a Doors recording, and the origin of Mr. Mojo Risen. So break on through and take a few minutes to listen to The Doors, Part 2. As I mentioned in the companion podcast, The Doors Part 1, the single Touch Me was released in December 1968. It reached number 3 on the Billboard Hot 100 and number 1 in the Cashbox Top 100 in early 1969. It would end up being The Doors' third and last American number 1 single. On March 1, 1969, at the Dinner Key Auditorium in Miami, Florida, The Doors gave the most controversial performance of their career. The 7,000-capacity auditorium had no air conditioning on that warm night. The seats had been removed by the promoter to boost ticket sales, resulting in a restless overflow crowd of 10,600. Morrison arrived drunk and the concert started an hour late. Morrison had recently attended a play by an experimental theater group and was inspired by their antagonistic style of performance art. So from the very first song, Morrison taunted the crowd. Things unraveled quickly on stage. Morrison started and stopped in mid-song. He peppered the crowd with questions, obscene requests, and four-letter words. The audience grew angry, hurling insults. Morrison took his shirt off, and some in the audience started taking their clothes off. Morrison held his shirt in front of his groin area and supposedly made hand movements behind it. Four days later, the Dade County Sheriff's Office issued a warrant for Morrison's arrest, claiming Morrison had exposed his penis while on stage and shouted obscenities to the crowd. Morrison was offered a plea bargain that required the Doors to perform a free Miami concert, but he turned it down. So he was convicted and sentenced to six months in jail with hard labor and ordered to pay a $500 fine. Morrison remained free pending an appeal of his conviction, but he would tragically die before the matter was legally resolved. Interestingly, his three bandmates all denied the allegation that Jim Morrison exposed himself on stage that night. During the recording of their fifth album, Morrison Hotel, in November 1969, Morrison again found himself in trouble after harassing airline staff during a flight to Phoenix, Arizona. Jim and his friend Tom Baker were charged with interfering with the flight of an intercontinental aircraft and public drunkenness. The charges were dropped in April 1970. The Doors had returned to Electra Sound Recorders in Los Angeles in November to record the Morrison Hotel album. The LP was recorded between November 1969 and January 1970, with two exceptions. The song Indian Summer had been previously recorded on August 19, 1966, during the sessions for the first 
Doors album. The song Waiting for the Sun actually originated during the sessions for the band's third album. Morrison Hotel is divided into two separately titled sides, namely Hard Rock Cafe and Morrison Hotel. Lonnie Mack and Ray Neapolitan also contributed to the album as session bassists. Morrison Hotel had a more blues rock sound than had the Soft Parade. The album climbed to number four on the Billboard 200 and performed better overseas than the preceding album. It would be the group's highest charting studio album in the UK where it peaked at number 12. It revived The Doors' status among their fan base and received much praise from the rock press. The LP had Jim Morrison returning as main songwriter, writing or co-writing all of the album's tracks. Morrison Hotel's only single was You Make Me Real, backed with Roadhouse Blues. While the single only reached number 50 in May 1970 on the Billboard 100 chart, many of the LP's songs have nevertheless proved to be popular and enduring. Roadhouse Blues and Peace Frog would go on to become staples of classic rock radio. Here is the story behind the recording of those two songs. With producer Paul Rothschild striving for perfection, Roadhouse Blues took two days to record. The first day was uneventful, but the sessions took off on the second day when guitarist Lonnie Mack joined in on bass and G. Puglisi joined in on harmonica. Due to a constraint of his Reprise Records recording contract, the harmonica player had to use the pseudonym of G. Puglisi. It was, in fact, former Love and Spoonful leader John Sebastian who played harmonica on the song. Additionally, during the Roadhouse Blues recordings, Ray Manzarek switched from his Wurlitzer electric piano to the same tack piano that the Beach Boys had used on Good Vibrations. In 2012, Roadhouse Blues was ranked the 153rd top classic rock song by New York's classic rock station Q104.3. Time Out magazine ranked it as the 11th best rock song of all time. The music for Peace Frog had actually been played instrumentally at some Doors gigs in 1969. So the music was recorded first, with Morrison overdubbing his vocals. The song's lyrics were derived from three poems written earlier by Morrison entitled Abortion Stories, Dawn's Highway, 
and Newborn Awakening. Some of the lines were inspired by events in Morrison's life. The line, Blood in the Streets in the Town of New Haven, is a reference to his onstage arrest on December 9, 1967, during the New Haven Arena show. The spoken words after the guitar solo, Indians scattered on Don's highway bleeding, ghosts crowd the young child's fragile eggshell mind, describe a disturbing highway accident involving Native Americans that occurred when Jim was young. The lyric, Blood in the Street, the Town of Chicago, is a reference to the 1968 Democratic National Convention protests. Peace Frog begins with a catchy, distorted G5 chord riff, played three times by Krieger, followed by a brief wah-wah effect. The song ends with a final chord as it segues into the next track, Blue Sunday. Radio stations frequently will play the two songs back-to-back, much in the same way that they play Led Zeppelin's Heartbreaker and Living Loving Maid. Peace Frog is often praised as one of Morrison Hotel album's highlights. Louder Sound magazine ranked the song among the top 20 greatest Doors songs, and Ultimate Classic Rock cited it as Robbie Krieger's third best track for the group. Henry Diltz is a world-famous music photographer who shot more than 250 album covers and thousands of publicity shots in the 60s and 70s. The cover photo of the Morrison Hotel LP was taken by Henry at the Morrison Hotel on South Hope Street in downtown Los Angeles. They were not given permission to photograph, so after taking some outside shots, Henry had the band members rush back in for a window photo while the clerk was called away from the desk. The album's rear cover features a photograph of the Hard Rock Cafe at nearby 300 East 5th Street, where Henry snapped several photos. If you're interested in seeing samples of Henry Diltz's extensive rock and roll photo archive, you can check them out at morrisonhotelgallery.com. The group's first live album, Absolutely Live, was released in July 1970. It peaked at number eight on the charts and includes the first release of the lengthy piece Celebration of the Lizard. The LP was completed by producer Rothschild, and the album's final mixing consisted of many bits and pieces from assorted band concerts. Due to Jim Morrison's unpredictability on stage and resulting tumultuous concerts, the Doors continued to face bans in numerous U.S. cities. Despite this, the band still managed to play 18 concerts in 1969 in the U.S., Mexico, and Canada, following March's Miami incident. During the first half of 1970, they played 23 dates in the U.S. and Canada. The Doors also performed at England's Isle of Wight Festival on August 30, 1970, hitting the relatively dark stage at 2 a.m. Two concerts were then held in Dallas on December 11, 1970, followed by The Doors' last public performance with Morrison at the Warehouse in New Orleans on December 12, 1970. In New Orleans, Morrison became violent on stage, slamming the microphone numerous times into the stage floor. He then sat down and refused to perform for the remainder of the show. After the concert, Jim's bandmates decided to end their live act. In November 1970, The Doors had entered Sunset Sound Recorders in Hollywood to record early versions of the songs L.A. Woman, Riders on the Storm, and Love Her Madly. 
producer Paul Rothschild, who worked with the band on their first five albums, quit over the new material, calling it cocktail music. Another issue that led to Rothschild's leaving was the emotional devastation he felt at the death of Janis Joplin, having worked with her on her final album, Pearl. Sound engineer Bruce Botnick took over and enlisted the aid of rhythm guitarist Mark Benno and bassist Jerry Sheff for the LP. Botnick also created a makeshift recording studio at The Doors' private rehearsal space, The Doors' Workshop. It was located in a two-story building at 8512 Santa Monica Boulevard across the street from Electra Studios. So they hauled equipment across the street, thereby avoiding the expenses of a professional studio. The result was a more relaxed atmosphere. Botnick said that Morrison was easy to work with. Apparently, Jim spent long hours in the studio with little consumption of alcohol. The end result was L.A. Woman, the sixth studio album by The Doors. It was released on April 19, 1971 by Elektra Records. Even more so than its predecessors, the album is heavily influenced by blues. It is the last to feature lead singer Jim Morrison during his lifetime, due to his sudden death exactly two months and two weeks following the album's release. The LP peaked at number nine on the Billboard chart. L.A. Woman contained two top 20 hits and went on to be their second best-selling studio album, surpassed in sales only by their first album. The album's title track and the two singles, Love Her Madly and Riders on the Storm, remain mainstays of rock radio programming. Here is some additional information about those three songs from the album. After they had finished recording the album title track song, L.A. Woman, Jim Morrison surprised his unsuspecting bandmates by proudly showing them how he had taken the 11 letters in his name, J-I-M-M-O-R-R-I-S-O-N, and rearranged them into M-R-M-O-J-O-R-I-S-I-N. So, Mr. Mojo Ryzen was actually an 11-letter anagram of Jim's name. In 2013, New York's classic rock station Q104.3 labeled the song L.A. Woman as the 40th best classic rock song. In 2014, L.A. Weekly named the song L.A. Woman number one on their list of the 20 best songs about the city of Los Angeles. Don't you love her badly? Don't you need her badly? Don't you love her way? Tell me what you 
Love Her Madly was the first single released from the album. It was actually released a month before the album was released. The single peaked at number 11 on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart and reached number 3 in Canada. Interestingly, the B-side of the single, You Need Meat, Don't Go No Further, is the only studio recording released by The Doors during Jim Morrison's tenure with the group to feature a lead vocal by keyboardist Ray Manzarek. on the Storm, backed with The Changeling, was released in June 1971 by Elektra Records as the second single. It is famous for being the last song that Jim Morrison recorded prior to his sudden death in Paris. The song reached number 14 on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 and number 22 on the U.K. Singles Chart. Manzarek said that the song's melody was inspired by the country song Ghost Riders in the Sky, A Cowboy Legend written by Stan Jones and popularized by Vaughn Monroe. The lyrics were written and brought to the rehearsal by Morrison. A portion of the lyrics refer to hitchhiking killer Billy Cockeyed Cook, who was the subject of the 1953 film The Hitchhiker. A Fred Reck remix of Riders of the Storm, credited to Snoop Dogg and the Doors, was a theme song for the 2004 racing video game Need for Speed Underground 2. In 2010, Riders on the Storm was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame under the rock category. In 2012, New York's Q104.3 ranked Riders as the 498th best classic rock song of all time. On March 13, 1971, near the end of the mixing of L.A. Woman, Morrison split from L.A. and moved to Paris, France with his girlfriend Pamela Courson. On July 3, 1971, Morrison was found dead in the bath by Corson. There was no official autopsy, and the cause of death was listed as heart failure. Jim Morrison was buried in the Poet's Corner of Paris's Père Lachaise Cemetery on July 7th. Morrison had died at age 27, the same age at death as fellow rock stars Brian Jones, Jimi Hendrix, and Janis Joplin. After Morrison died, the surviving members considered replacing him with several new people. However, Krieger and Manzarek ended up taking over lead vocal duties themselves. So the three remaining doors, Manzarek, Krieger, and Densmore, continued as a trio. They released three more albums in the 1970s, one of which featured earlier recordings by Morrison, and over the decades reunited on stage in various configurations. L.A. Woman's follow-up album, other Voices was being planned while Morrison was in Paris. The band had assumed he would return to help them complete the album. Once their contract with Elektra had elapsed, 
The Doors disbanded in 1973. Beginning in the late 1970s, there was a sustained revival of interest in The Doors, creating a new generation of fans. It seemed to start with the release of the album An American Prayer in late 1978. That album contained a live version of Roadhouse Blues that received considerable airplay on album-oriented rock radio stations. In 1979, the song The End was featured in the film Apocalypse Now, and the next year the best-selling biography of Morrison, No One Here Gets Out Alive, was published. The Doors' first album, The Doors, re-entered the Billboard 200 chart in September 1980. Electra Records reported The Doors' albums were selling better than in any year since their original release. In response, a new compilation album, Greatest Hits, was released in October 1980. The album peaked at number 17 in Billboard and remained on the chart for nearly two years. The revival continued in 1983 with the release of A Live She Cried, an album of previously unreleased live recordings. The track Gloria reached number 18 on the Billboard Top Tracks chart and the video was in heavy rotation on MTV. Another compilation album, The Best of the Doors, was released in 1985 and went on to be certified diamond in 2007 by the RIAA for sales of 10 million units. A second revival attracting another generation of fans occurred in 1991 following the release of the film The Doors directed by Oliver Stone and starring Val Kilmer as Morrison. Stone supposedly created the script from over 100 interviews of people who were in Morrison's life. He designed the movie by picking the songs and then adding the appropriate storylines to them. The three original band members did not like the film's portrayal of the events. Ray Manzarek said, and I quote, That Oliver Stone thing did real damage to the guy I knew... Jim Morrison, the poet, end quote. The film's soundtrack album reached number eight on the Billboard album chart and Greatest Hits and the Best of the Doors re-entered the chart with the latter reaching a new peak position of number 32. The Doors have received numerous awards. Here are just a few of them. In 1993, the Doors were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. In 1998, VH1 compiled a list of the 100 greatest artists of rock and roll. The Doors were ranked number 20 by top music artists, while Rock on the Net readers ranked them number 15. In 2000, The Doors were ranked number 32 on VH1's 100 Greatest Hard Rock Artists. In 2002, their self-titled album was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame under the category Rock Album. In 2004, Rolling Stone magazine ranked The Doors 41st on their list of 100 Greatest Artists of All Time. In 2007, The Doors received a Grammy Award for Lifetime Achievement and a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. In 2011, The Doors received a Grammy Award in Best Long Form Music Video for the film When You're Strange, directed by Tom DeCilio. In 2012, Rolling Stone magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums of all time included three of their studio albums, the self-titled album at number 42, L.A. Woman at number 362, and Strange Days at number 407. In 2015, the Library of Congress selected the album The Doors for inclusion in the National Recording Registry 
based on its cultural, artistic, or historical significance. In 2016, The Doors received a Grammy Award in Favorite Reissues and Compilation for the live album London Fog 1966. On January 4, 2017, The Doors were honored for the 50th anniversary of their self-titled album release, with the City of Los Angeles proclaiming that date the Day of The Doors. The Doors were among the most influential rock acts of the 1960s and an important figure of the era's counterculture, mostly due to Jim Morrison's erratic stage persona and unusual lyrics. They were also one of the most controversial acts. By 1972, The Doors had sold over 4 million albums domestically and nearly 8 million singles. The Doors were the first American band to accumulate eight consecutive gold LPs. According to the RIAA, they have now sold 34 million albums in the U.S. and over 100 million records worldwide, making them one of the best-selling bands of all time. This has been Rock and Roll Flashback, a podcast called The Doors Part 2, where I have discussed the Los Angeles band called The Doors from 1969 through the tragic 1971 death of their enigmatic and controversial singer Jim Morrison. Be sure to check out our companion podcast called The Doors Part 1, where I review the band from their 1965 inception through early 1969. I'm Jumpin' John McDermott, and until next time, rock on, rock on, rock on, rock on.